you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis, the Dark Lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he can use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk about Star Wars, Star Wars movies, Star Wars TV shows, Star Wars books, pretty much everything Star Wars, including my pop collection, which is getting insane now, and I just looked at it on the app, and it is like... I have a um, Mustafar Obi-Wan versus Anakin pop that's worth $260 right now. It's insane. Ooh. We talk about all things Star Wars. But anyway, I am your host, Zach Chrisman, the Lord of Lore. And joining me is the Lady of Lore, Lindsay. How are you doing? I am actually doing pretty fantastic, my friend. Yeah, I think the fun thing about talking every other week, and it's like, I could... You know, me and you text back and forth throughout, you know, our busy work lives when we can or send some hilarious meme. Um, but it's so refreshing after having that break to, like, talk to you and check in. And it's it's a lot of fun to just kind of like, oh, shit, it's been a week and a half already. Or it's been uh, two weeks already. Two weeks, yeah. It's time to hang out and talk. And, you know. I know, especially because I feel like I finally have some, like, good life updates to come in and and aside from my usual just like oh i'm busy i'm good yeah. um i actually finally got a a uh, promotion at work that i've been working for for a very very long time um but despite how long i've been working for it i actually was not even supposed to be eligible until july for it um but a spot opened up they kind of waived a requirement let me interview and and i uh i hit the ground running this week so it's been insanely insanely hectic with the transition but it's it's just like the most rewarding thing because i wake up now every morning and and i say every morning it's been three days um but it's it's the weirdest feeling because i used to kind of wake up and really grind and, and work so hard at work for this promotion to happen and on the bad days i was like you know what i'm doing it for for this reason it's it's going to happen one day. This will all pay off. And now it's like, oh, <laughs> this paid off. It's here. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully the pay is good, too. There's a nice little bump. Hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, that's funny that you say that. And because uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I've recently gotten a pretty big promotion. I am now basically vice president of the company. I mean, I'm not, you know... I'm not owner yet, but I am basically running like 80, 85% of the company. And, um, you know, I had been spending my entire life or not my entire life, but a long part of my adult life, especially, you know, since I met Sarah and I decided to take my career choice really serious. You know, we've always talked about me taking over and we had reached a point where I told them, you know, I'm ready 
You know, I, I essentially was like, I'm ready for the trials. You know, I was Anakin all <laughs> mad and shit. I'm ready for the trials. Let me have it. And, you know, it's it's been a lot of work the last couple weeks, um, but it feels different. And it's weird when you... It's weird because it's like, you know, I told my buddy today, today was a long day. Like, today feels like the longest day. And he said, I'm sorry you had a rough day, man. And I was like... No, it wasn't a bad day. It, rough. it was yeah. just a long day. Because normally long days mean bad days. And uh, for me, it's like these days uh, have been long, but they haven't been bad. There's been a lot. I've been coming I home totally tired. Get that. Like my brain is completely fried by the end of it. But if I go to do a workout or I take an hour break, mentally i'm recharged and can handle more like i'm excited to take things on i yeah it's not like you're you're i think we've kind of all been in the situation at work where like you're mentally drained and you're kind of just like i can't keep doing this and that's kind of where i reached like in my life um you know even the last episode of sit talk i would i had just started um he was on vacation my father he was on vacation so i was running the company but you know, things were a little bit sketchy beforehand and I was, I was pretty bogged down, um, in life. Like I just, I did not feel happy anymore. And, you know, I had started seeing a therapist and I had kind of talked through it and within working through all that, um, I worked out some, some mature steps to like kind of talk about it and approach it. And, and between timing with him and where he was at in life and where I was at, we came to a conclusion and, you know, it's, it's been, it's very gratifying when you finally, you know, you, you work towards things and you get told your, your whole life, you're going to get somewhere. But when you actually reach a true milestone in life, it, it is a lot more work than you thought when you started, but it's a different kind of purpose. And I'm very excited for the purpose. And I'm glad that you're kind of falling in that same boat too. Dude, look at us go. I'm proud of us. Yeah, I'm proud of me too, but also, you know, I'm training for a Spart a bunch of Spartan races this year and it's a different kind of tired, but at least it's a happy kind of tired as opposed to when you feel like you're kind of grinding your gears. You know, instead it's like you're yeah, tired yeah. but you're well oiled and you can keep going. Yes. Yeah. No, I very much get that. Cuz to your point it's it really is I think putting it perfectly like you said there's long days and there's bad days and sometimes they are two very different things. Well, speaking of <laughs> good days, bad days, hope, depression, transitioning from bleak tones into hopefulness. Uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan writer teases the series bleak tone and transitions into hope um, hopefulness. Um, in one of the many interviews, Entertainment Weekly, um, one of the writers, Harold, uh, gave away as a general overview of the state of the galaxy. He says, It takes place ten years after Revenge of the Sith in a time of darkness in the galaxy. The Empire is in the ascendancy and all the horrors that came with the Empire are being made manifested throughout the galaxy, and the Jedi Order as we know them are being wiped out. So everything that was in the prequels has crumbled. Those surviving Jedi, those that do survive, are on the run and they're hiding, and Vader and his Inquisitors are chasing them to the end of the galaxy. Within that, there's hopefulness, or there's hopeless, hopeless, fantastic, 
within that hopeless fantastic world. Do you world, want me to take off? No, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. Hopeless fantastic world. We find possibly the most famous of all of our surviving Jedi in hiding, struggling with the faith that defines the Jedi and wanting to hold on to it and hoping to regain that faith within the sort of hopeless world within the that environment and that galaxy. His faith is tested. He goes on this journey that allows him to travel from that character that we saw in the last of the prequels where McGregor really felt like he was embodying Obi-Wan Kenobi to a pretty extraordinary degree and ends with him as a more finished article that Sir Alec Guinness gave to the world in A New Hope. And so in this specific time in the history of Star Wars, when the Jedi are on the run, we get the sort of stand next to and watch Obi-Wan as he runs the gauntlet and has to survive a pretty extraordinary experience. Lindsay, what do you take away from all that aside from the Billy Madison today, Junior? Yeah, we we got there though. We made it through. We did get there. I mean, it's it's interesting because to me it doesn't necessarily give up so much about the plot, right? Like it, it doesn't tell us anything crazy new about what to expect or, or maybe even who to expect or anything like that, because he doesn't really go into that kind of tone and, and anything like that. Um, but in reading between the lines, yeah, if, if you understand the point they're trying to make when they make solo comparisons, but way more so fallen order, because I think Fallen Order is really where we see the hopelessness of the galaxy at this point, more so than we even do in Solo. Um, but if, if you read between the lines, yeah, it's interesting that they seem to be starting the show on such a what is going to be negative note. And, and I understand why they are saying bleak, you know, teasing a bleak tr- tone for this because it does seem like it's, it's going to be a little bit different and it's not going to be rooted in extreme optimism right away. Not like the way rebels was where, where, yeah, it's, it's a terrible situation on Lethal, but there's hope because you have these, these characters coming together or even in solo, just because it's, it's, the, the irony, the dramatic irony of, hey, look, we understand that even in these trying times, we're about to see Han and Chewie meet. And we're about to get this great backstory. And we're going to go on this adventure and, and see the castle run. And we're going to get all of this these cool introductions. So it, even in Solo, I think it missed that tone. Fallen Order really and truly is, I think, the closest for what to expect in the tone of of Kenobi based on this, because that is true hopelessness, true bleak, and and truly a shroud of mystery around it. Yeah, and when it comes to me, this is everything that I've wanted from this show after all these years of waiting for for an Obi Wan series. Um, the Obi-Wan Ken- the Kenobi book isn't very bleak. It's more mysterious and it's his, his like kind of what's going on in his brain is a little more implied. I mean there is some, you know, kind of knowledge as to what he's thinking about during these times, but it's it's more implied. And what I really need from what I really want from the show is 
I like building characters back up. And that's why I think I'm a fan of Zack Snyder's DC iterations, because what he likes to do in his movies is he likes to deconstruct a character to build him up. And a lot of people never to build them up. Batman, he loved making, starting him at his worst. Superman, making him at his most confused. And only to let them grow into these roles of who they're going to be. And I think when it comes to Obi-Wan, if you really look at the character, his whole world is shattered. I mean, he he lost his brother, his 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 son, his so many other things. And he looks at him as, you know, fail I mean, Obi-Wan has literally lost everyone he's ever gotten close to in his entire life. And while him and Yoda I guess you can maybe possibly make an argument that they've been I, I don't think they're close. Not on the same bond as Anakin, as Satine, as Qui-Gon. Um, even Padme, I think there was some kind of, um, camaraderie together. Like they, they mm-hmm. shared things in a, in a way that, oh, that Yoda was more the mentor. Mace Windu was more the mentor. They were on this pedestal. And I, I, I think that this show has to start off like that. And I think us as Star Wars fans, minus a couple scenes in, um, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, or some of like Charles Soule's early work in the Vader comic, we don't, as viewers in into cinema, in, into cinema, we have not fully like live action cinema fully felt. We've never fully felt the effects of what Order sixty six did to Jedi, and I think it's very important to add weight and depth to that because it is very serious. There's a lot of people out in the galaxy that are being hunted. Like, every day, watching over their backs for who they are. It's important. Yeah, and I feel like it's such it's important for anyone who is a Star Wars fan to know and understand that. Because I think it kind of gets lost on the fans like you and I who love to talk about this all the time and deal in hypothetical situations, right? So, so what if things had played out differently? What if this person survived and this one didn't? And I think such a fan favorite thing to discuss is, you know, what would happen if changes in Order 66 had happened? Um, so so it's something that is so deeply explored in the podcasting community, and especially among people who read read the books, you know, have read the Ahsoka novel to understand the emotional impact, um, who have read um, A New Dawn and understand that impact. But it's it's not something where, to your point, the the people who consume Star Wars solely by watching live action, I don't think a lot of them fully, not even just understand, but fully know. I feel like Order sixty six is almost more of like a a bar trivia question for them. Yeah, and I I think what. You know, I I think that there's going to be a lot of people that still like older fans from the original trilogy that are watching this that maybe didn't like the prequels. I think it's very important because not only, you know, for me, I am a prequel kid for life. I watch the prequels more than I watch the OT, not because they're better films, but because... We they're the reason. Yeah, I grew up with them, and they're the reason I love Star Wars. Like, I used to be a part of the Star Wars 
fan club, pay ten bucks a month, and we'll send you a magazine and a and a book that yep, was like yep. 120 pages, and it was like a lot of it was between Obi Wan and Anakin's relationship. Now it's no longer canon, but we used to get a lot of those, especially between the Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith years. We used to get a lot of those books um, coming out, and so I think that regardless of maybe some of the I, I just think this show means so much more. It's going to add more weight to us and be more of a reward for us prequel fans. It, it adds more weight to what we kind of have thought about for so long as hardcore Star Wars fans. But for the basic fans, it adds more depth to the prequels. And you can say that I, I think of the general opinion is that Revenge of the Sith is the strongest movie. And people still have problems with yes. it, but it is the strongest movie, and it does add more weight to that if this is done correctly. If we can properly show Jedi being hunted down and watching over their backs, people are going to revisit uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I'm very curious, by the time the Obi-Wan series is done, the Disney Plus analytics on Revenge of the Sith and the prequels, just to see how many people revisited that to Ooh, kind of feel that way. Yeah, that would be interesting. And, you know, I'm going to add kind of one more one more positive to all of this as well. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just kind of noticing it more or the conversations have opened up more with things like, you know, Mandalorian and whatnot. I've had so many more conversations more recently than usual about people telling me that they are just starting to get into it and what should they start with? Should they start with four, five, six? Should they start with one, two, three? And and that's a whole different conversation. I think that would actually be a really fun topic one night for me and you to, to talk about what we recommend for people. But I think that one thing I've been hearing a lot is is less so the confusion in what's happening depending if you watch in a certain order but a confusion in the connection so i think we are at a point now as kind of like a, a society in our age group where everyone understands like the movies don't go in order everyone understands it went backwards there was a big time gap blah 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 both in terms of making the movie and in the movie themselves I think what this is going to do is give the people who are just starting to get into Star Wars a connector where this way they can watch one, two, three, watch Kenobi, understand the bridge, understand the connection and why four, five, six is important and how it's automatically related to what they just watched. Yeah. And to add to that, um, I think the show is a lot bigger than a lot of people really think i think there's a lot writing on it um as far as you know the fan base because it, it's been a little bit of a weird time as a fan i mean i i try not to be negative i don't think star wars is in a negative place right now i think it's in a very good place as far as the average fan goes you know a lot of people didn't really love boba fett but a lot of people watched it there also is a lot of people that really did like boba fett it's a very mixed bag but i would say that it's probably more on the positive i thought it was garbage but that's just me like but most yeah, people and, actually and also, really enjoyed it i'm not it. gonna sit there and passionately be like oh my god how could someone not like it no or, i'm sorry how could how could someone like it it's it's not an issue of like i feel so strongly no. hate like I don't I don't feel hate for it by any means is what I'm trying to say. 
No, I just, I, I don't have any need to watch it. But Star yeah. Wars is at a really weird time right now. But I what, feel like when, when the prequels first came out, the people who hated the prequels wanted everyone else to hate it with them. I think now Star Wars is at a place where, to your point, it's not necessarily negative for the sake of being negative. Or even with Rise of Skywalker, it was like that. Like, if you, I'm I'm the biggest offender of mentioning I love Rise of Skywalker, and people like get pissed and want to fight me on it. Whereas when you mention you, you do or don't like. Book well, I've seen your boxing videos, like, yeah. so they really probably shouldn't <laughs> fight you on it. So, yeah, I mean, good call. there's that. Good call. But I mean, it, it's an interesting time because I really think Star Wars is not at. I don't. I don't think there's a make or break. Like with the movies, I have my opinions. We'll see if we get a movie announcement, and we'll see if it sticks at Celebration. Like that is my opinion. <laughs> we'll see if the games uh, that they announce actually stick. That is my opinion. But overall, my opinion for S- Star Wars right now is very excited. You know, when we go down these topics, I'm just going to give you my opinion based on these atop- uh, on these topics. But my overall is. Star Wars is in a place where it could be better than it ever has, or it could go nowhere. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to go in a place that it that it has um, that it it is, is going to move forward. I'm very excited for the High Republic, but I think Obi Wan is so much more important than people realize because a lot of people that hate the prequels love Ewan McGregor love Liam Neeson, love Mace Windu. They might not love Hayden Christensen. They might not love the relationship between Natalie Portman or the chemistry between Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, but they love Ewan McGregor. They love Mace Windu. They love Liam Neeson. They love Darth Maul. They think Sidious is cool. The stories don't connect, but Obi-Wan is like this. I I compare Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan to Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool in the sense that... A lot of people don't care for the treatment of Deadpool at the end of the first X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But everyone agreed that while they hated the third act of that movie, which I think the first two acts are actually really phenomenal until you get to the end. I think that, I think it's a really good movie. Anyway, until you get to the third, everybody loved Ryan Reynolds in the role. They just hated the very end of it. And that's how you led to Deadpool being a $15 million budget that made $720 million. Cool. With the prequels, no matter who I've asked about the prequels, everyone always says they love Obi-Wan. I mean, there's not a bad yeah. thing about Obi-Wan. Now, of course, everybody agrees his strongest is the Revenge of the Sith. But even Attack of the Clones, I don't have anybody ever ripping on Obi-Wan. Ewan McGregor is in the Ryan Reynolds box of people that were born for a role that might have not always been in the strongest films, like I would argue with Ben Affleck as Batman. Anyway, sorry, moving on. Um, But I think this is an important time, and I think it's going to collect a big audience because there are a lot of people that hated the prequels but loved him, and they're going to watch this, and it's going to... Be exciting for them, no matter what they felt about the prequels. And us people that, you know, can quote every single line of the movies of Ewan of Ewan McGregor's Star Wars run, like I can, I can quote almost every single line because I love him so much. I'm excited. And then you look at the the material of of this hopelessness, the bleak, moving into hope, and watching this character. There's so much depth that goes into this that. 
this really is the most important Star Wars thing for me since since probably even after uh, The Last Jedi. Because even though I love The Last Jedi and I was so excited for Episode Nine, I would say Obi-Wan meant a lot more to me because I really love character dives. And these trilogies, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a lot of characters that, that you have to get to. But I love it that when we just dissect a character and really get inside their mind or this depth in these two characters. Yeah, more of that, that slow burn. And even what I, what I love, too, is going off of that thought of these two characters... Not just the slow burn for the individual character. I really like looking at how relationships start to impact one another. Yes. And the effect that can be had that way. So I, I, I mean, it's, it's mine and your show, dude. Like, this is the kind of show that we get excited for and we get amped for. I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be... Uh, I do think it it might be a little bit of a slow burn. I kind of hope it is, but I don't think it's going to be full Mad Men style where you are then trying to explain, you know, at the end of each season, try to explain to someone what happened in each season. And you're sitting there and you're like, nothing really happened, but you really start to unfold the different aspects of humanity. And you really start to have those personality uh, kind of revelations. And I think Mad Men was great about that. But again, unfortunately, with Mad Men, you get to a point where you are then sitting there saying, I don't really know kind of what the plot is. Almost like an E.K. Johnston book. <laughs> um, but, but, I would disagree because I have read I have read all of her books and I love her books. Yeah, but her books are more of just that. She even tweeted about it, a joke about herself. You know, if you're here for the the character development is the plot, I'm here for you. And Mad Men was the character development was the plot. I don't think Kenobi is going to be such a slow burn where the character development is the plot. I think it's going to be really strong and I think it's going to be a massive part of it. But I think there's also going to be enough action that it's still going to be Star Wars and it's still going to have that plot. If I were to guess how the tone of this will be. I Or I mean like kind of how not the plot will go. I think there's going to be a lot of big things that happen in this show. I, I don't think that this is going to be... Um, and I'm not saying that you're saying it's going to be Mad Men. I don't think it's going to be Mad Men. I think yeah. it's going to be very much like a more... Like I, I always compare it to Logan and Depth. Because mm, mm-hmm. when, when you compare and you look at Logan, it always has action moving on. Big things always happen in that movie. If you look at the opening scene, I mean, it's literally a fight at a gas station and he's brutally killing people. But what's really going to sell that, that bleakness, that place in his head, is what really sold it for Logan. Was the acting of Hugh Jackman. You can see... The pain behind his eyes, the the voices in his head, in his eyes alone, in his in in the tone of his voice, you know what he's thinking about. And I think Ewan McGregor is probably one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood today. Mm-hmm. He's always given top notch performances. He's never phoned it in, like Jennifer Lawrence. Sorry, uh, 
He's never found. <laughs> How did he just bring her into this? He's he's because she phoned in Mystique. Get out of here right, if you think that right, she did. Right, she phoned fine. in Mystique. She was tired of it. But Ewan McGregor's never done that. And by then, you you have to know, like, as an actor, by the third film, the prequels had been shit on from episode one, episode two, like. By then, he could have phoned in Revenge of the Sith and been very done with it, much like Jennifer Lawrence was clearly very done with Mystique by that third film. And, I mean, like, I th- I think she's a great actress. I think she was just fucking done. Yeah. But Ewan McGregor never did that. He never doubled does. And down. And he never does, yeah. And he doubled down with that relationship with Hayden Christensen. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of big things. I think these Inquisitors are going to make big moves. I think there is going to be a good balance of fan service um, that is much a part of the story, much like a lot of how Marvel's done lately, is using these things that if you read just what's going to happen, you'd be like, oh man, that's fan service. But in the context of the actual film or the show, it makes perfect sense. But... I think you're going to see the emotional depth based on the acting alone. I want to say, though, one more comparison to Logan, because Logan probably is one of the greatest and most underrated movies ever made. Um, To the point I made before, a big part of Logan goes not just from that introspective who is Logan on his own. It comes from how does how do these relationships bring out who he is, and I think that really is what we're going to start to get from Kenobi. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it's it's timbre, it's acting at its finest, and I, I really think that you know, it's it's no secret that you know Deborah Chow says, "Thank you, George, for letting me inherit these great actors," because. Yeah. There is no, there's no phoning it in and it's, it's just going to like, I I know like when you look at it and you sell it, like if you look at the Obi-Wan series as like plot points that we already know, there's going to be Obi-Wan, there's going to be young Luke, there's going to be Inquisitors, hunting Jedi, and then the fight night to end it all, the Batman versus Superman of Star Wars, in my opinion Obi-Wan versus Vader rematch. That is his blockbuster slap sticky. Like if you were to throw like, hey, how do we sell a movie? Well, we'll get Obi-Wan and Vader to fight again. And, and, and we'll bring a bunch of lightsabers in there. And we'll, and we'll throw some planets up there that, that everybody loves. And we'll show young Luke. And it'll be great. Like from a sales <laughs> pitch, that sounds really good. From what solid. we, yeah. from, for, that sounds like a fucking hit. But when you look at the trailer and the context of even like, think about how little Obi-Wan we've gotten and how much we have seen in his eyes. So when the writers double down on that, it's like, yeah, we kind of know that. But to go into another topic, um, you know, most recently the the main Inquisitor himself, a very good actor um, in his own right, uh, Rupert Fine. Uh, teases wonderful cameos and calls the series a thrilling ride. He said, sorry, um, if it's possible to be any more excited, thank folks. I think folks already are. I would be. I think it's one of the most thrilling additions to the Star Wars canon. I think Ewan McGregor is doing things with that role. That is a dream uh, for the fans of the original films. We can't obviously have Alec Guinness, but I think Ewan was absolutely born to play the part, which I would agree. Um, 
He said, but wonderful cameos from people I obviously can't tell you. Easter eggs galore. Yeah, it's a thrilling ride. And what I kind of make of that is I don't know anything about Rupert Fiennes as like his fandom, like what he likes. He, you know, I, I don't know if he's a Star Wars fan or just an actor or part of the role. And I, I've seen a lot of people like kind of online kind of nervous about this slap sticky, like, oh, we're just going to throw everything at the wall because, in my opinion, Star Wars loves to kind of throw these things at the wall. And anything but Tatooine or anything but Obi-Wan, I'd be like, can we get the fuck off of Tatooine? But it's like it's like the only thing that I'm okay with more Tatooine. Um, so I I kind of get why some fans are like nervous about this. But are you nervous about it at all? Because I'm not. I'm really. I think this is just an actor trying to sell his his show and and being a part of the in- interview. And I think it's a very flashy thing to say. Easter eggs, cameos galore. I think we're gonna get all of those things. But some people are concerned that they're just going to throw shit at the wall to see what sticks, um, much like they've done in the past. And I don't see it as that. I just more see it as true, but also an actor selling his his show. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely someone plugging their show and slash career. Um, but I also, I had mentioned this to you before as we were kind of going through some different articles. One other thing that we were looking at discussing is what Hayden Christensen had said. Which is the the title of the article is what he kind of binge watched in terms to prepare for Kenobi, mm-hmm. and he said I went back and rewatched all the films and also got into the animated shows, the Clone Wars and Rebels. It was interesting. They did a lot with these characters in those shows, and they did further explore the relationship. There was interesting stuff there to learn about. It was great fun getting to go back and reimmerse yourself in this world that just continues to grow and become more and more vast. And the reason why I kind of see the connection here to cameos galore is I don't think it's going to necessarily be cameos where we are bringing in characters kind of unnecessarily, where, let's be honest, other shows have done for better or worse where it just becomes kind of the cameo shows um this what i would expect if it is going to be very cameo heavy and why hayden would go back and rewatch things like the clone wars is to further like we're saying further the relationship and how the relationship is going to be impacting these characters and these stories I would not be surprised if it's kind of like flashback scenes, right? So if if we're going back and we're seeing how the dynamics of the Jedi Council maybe impacted uh, Anakin and Kenobi's relationship, maybe we start to see some flashbacks there. Maybe we're going to get like, you know, a, another live action Plo Koon or something like that. But I think that one, when we when we talk about cameos they're not necessarily to drive the current plot forward there could absolutely be forced visions there could be flashbacks it could be a lot of different things and i just i i think that the evidence of hayden going and and i can't even say rewatching. i'm honestly probably watching for the first time clone wars it's got to be a reason for that right well, and I think I think the kind of theme of this show, based on what I've I've read and seen already, is this is a show about people dealing with trauma. Every character that 
not every character, but a lot of the characters in this show, they're dealing with trauma. Obi-Wan is dealing with the, the trauma of his past and his failure to Anakin. If we're going to get mm. Vader, he's dealing with the trauma of losing his wife and his anger, and he's blaming his friend. Like, if you just put two and two together with the Lords of the Sith, he fucking hates Obi-Wan, and he blames him blindly for everything. When you look at this, um, the the newest Inquisitor, her past is that she was ripped from the from her family to become a Jedi, and when the Jedi got wiped out, she had a choice. She was offered to become an Inquisitor for the Empire. And so she has trauma against the Jedi towards this. Everybody's dealing with pain in a different mm -hmm. way. And I think that adds to that beauty, but also to go back to your your comments about Hayden Christensen rewatching the Clone Wars, it's not only a show about pain and how to how to face the pain and how to move past it so you don't end up like Anakin or the Inquisitor. And how does Obi-Wan feel how does he rehabilitate through this pain? It's also a show about brotherhood and love and bonds, which would mm -hmm. add to the hope because the writers also add on, and I've saved this for when you so beautifully transitioned into the Hayden stuff. Um, he says, I mean, Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin slash Hayden Christensen share so much screen time together. They're so close that everything he's experienced and everything that's happened with Anakin cannot help but define him. And we meet a man who's very defined by that history. Whether he wants to or not, part of the journey of what he goes through in reconciling the past and coming to understand it and coming to understand his place in it and that journey and the place he has to go emotionally as well as physically and some of those battles he fights are very much to do with facing the past and understanding who he is, his part in his own history, in the history of others. And I think that's huge. And when you go back to that... I think that's a very huge comment alone. And then when you go back to the uh, the the EW video interview, I believe it was EW, where you know Ewan McGregor says, you know, I'm looking at Hayden, and he hasn't changed at all. I mean, yeah, I think it really adds to what you're saying. You know, too, one one thing that I was thinking of when you beautifully talked about how it's everyone dealing with pain, and and um, that quote about kind of their, their relationship and their dynamic is one thing that really hasn't been explored much. Again, I, I was saying before, like there's the difference between what they're exploring on screen and what we as the fans who want to talk about this on podcasts and want to go into Facebook groups and, and have these kind of hypothetical discussions want to talk about. One thing we really don't discuss often, Ahsoka left the Jedi Order that obviously had the crazy impact that we see in Anakin and we can go back and rewatch revenge of the Sith and understand how much he was hurting from that and the betrayal that he felt from that. And maybe even some of the questioning of was she right to do this? Have the Jedi lost their way? What we don't really ever talk about is that was a major blow for Obi-Wan because when you rewatch the Clone Wars, it's not so much even even along the lines of Anakin and Ahsoka. It's always been the fun, you know, grandpa, dad, granddaughter relationship. And I think that Obi-Wan's kind of dealing with Ahsoka leaving is something that's never been touched and never been dealt with and never been explored. And this would be a really interesting time to see 
how is he dealing with this and how is he processing this? Anakin obviously went off the rails and was like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's right. And I'm in pain and I'm going to destroy all the Jedi. Um, so that was kind of how he, he dealt with it, but no one ever really wants to explore and wants to play around with, all right, well, how is Obi-Wan dealing with this? And now he's in this isolation where it's probably one of the only few things he really can think about and, and has to deal with and has to find his way through. So I think it's going to be really interesting to explore through any of these cameos or any of these flashbacks or this relationship, how is Obi-Wan dealing with that pain and dealing with that grief of something entirely different that we don't give him enough credit for? Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the more fun topics to talk about, and I'm certainly someone who has been fascinated by this for years and, and me and you have talked about it. Me and Sam have talked about it. Me, you and Sam have talked about it. Me, you and Brandon have talked about, you know, kind of the establishment of the Jedi order and, and much like the, the newest inquisitor, she is very much a product of that establishment and what that has brought pain in her life being ripped yeah. from her family. Um, Obi-Wan probably very much questions um, his, um, influence based on his code and holding on to the code and being stuck to the code and, and trying to be the good good Jedi only to watch it blow up in his face much like Yoda does I think that this needs to also answer you know where do we move forward with the Jedi and this philosophy and I, I think it's going to answer more of the sense of how the Jedi the embodiment of what it is to be a Jedi not by code but by who you are. And I think one of the the things that Obi-Wan probably thinks about all the time is Anakin couldn't talk to him. I mean, he held a secret, and that's something that needs to be addressed too. He held a secret marriage for years mm-hmm. against somebody who he was in battle with, dying next to, who even in the face of battle and facing death every day still held this big secret because he could not talk to him at the end of the day this pain this secret was so big that it caused his best friend to crack under pressure and be the catalyst of this whole empire because he was so under pressure that he couldn't talk to his very best friend about it. And Obi-Wan mm. had had kind of made and bodied this, this closed-offness, much like Yoda. You know, I always compare the scene of when Anakin's talking to Yoda and Yoda gives him this, you know, learn to let go of everything. Ana- That's when Anakin says, I can't trust him. I can't talk to the Jedi about how I feel. They're just going to give me some bullshit. They're not going to, we're not going to have a podcast and talk about how we feel. And I think one of the best things with Obi-Wan is a lot of times we talk about the Jedi and it's always kind of a trope where we talk about light side, dark side. When Ezra Ezra was introduced in Rebels, is Ezra going to go dark? You know, there was that little kind of trope. Mm -hmm. Everybody's always worried about a Jedi, especially an angsty teen, going dark. But... I think the best thing about Obi-Wan is not about a Jedi that you're worried about turning to the dark side, but how to deal with sadness. It's not an anger. It's how do we move past the sadness that we feel inside 
so that we can be the example that we need to be for the next generation, for the people? How do we deal with the sadness? It's not always about light side, dark side, anger. It's also how do we move forward? Because I can tell you with my life right now, I was going through a really dark path for probably a lot longer than I realized. But I really faced it a couple months ago. And I really hit a wall where I realized I am not happy. And along that way, I struggled a lot with dealing with that realization. And then feeling it and embodying that that sadness. And it took a lot to work through it. It took a lot of bold choices. When we talk about this promotion like we did early on, for me it was facing my father and saying, Look, I need to move I either need to move on or I need to you need to let me accept my role. I can no longer sit in your shadow. And I faced my sadness, I faced my darkness, I faced my opposition, and I'm much better right now than I have been in a long time. And I think it's so important when in Star Wars to talk about sadness, not mm-hmm. just anger, light, dark, and dealing with that. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I can't add anything <laughs> or, or argue. It was just beautifully put. And I am excited to hopefully kind of open those doors to the next generation, whereas you and I are the people who grew up with this. And there was an entire generation before us who grew up with this. And... I I hope that now the kind of people getting into this can understand that that's the point of this, right? It's you and I, I think kind of had a similar trajectory with star Wars where like you, my, my uncle actually um, back in the, the late nineties, early two thousands worked for scholastic books. So he would come oh, home yeah. with all of the, the books that they were putting out and with, you know, the, the Padawan series and, and whatnot. And that was kind of why I loved it was because as a, as a kid going through stuff, I had the Jedi as role models. And to me, it wasn't even so much like the more mature now going through your pain and dealing with the pain. It was the, the biggest thing to me was I don't need to have an emotional reaction to everything. And sometimes getting angry is not going to serve me best sometimes. And, you know, this is from the time I was like nine to to 12, 13, reading these books. It was like, okay, how do I process things like the Jedi do? And I always loved the the Jedi, not for the organization they were, not for the cool lightsaber battles, but for that individual kind of meditative mindset of, how do I deal with this? How do I process that process this without just getting angry and exploding? How do I actually deal with this and then face it? And I think that's something that's not really being told or dealt with in a lot of Star Wars stories more recently. Um, not to say less of the the lessons being learned in modern Star Wars. I think they are all great. They are all important. But there's been so much focus on the hope of it all, right? And Star Wars is about hope. And yes, that's that's true. Star Wars is about hope. But there's this entirely other side of Star Wars about the Jedi where it's about, to your point, dealing with things and owning up to them and having to face them. And it's not, 
you know, and, and I've had this argument with people before where they say, oh, no, just, you know, do the right thing. Things will work out. The universe always works out, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, <laughs> the universe doesn't work it out. I work it out. Like, I... I fix my problems. And sometimes people who tell me like, oh, the, the universe fixes things. I'm like, the, the universe doesn't fix things. I fix them for you too. Like I'm sitting here because I love you and, and I'm fixing your problems and you think it's just the, the universe working out. And I think my the point I'm trying to make is there's an entire generation of Star Wars fans who are missing that sub theme and they're missing what's important. And I think that this show, if done... I don't want to say if done right, but if done the right, the way that we hope and we're expecting is going to be, here's this really strong, badass character. And yeah, he's cool. Like you're going to see him kill Darth Maul twice. You're going yeah. to see him face Vader. You're going to see him do like all this cool, badass shit, but you're also going to see him like man up in an entirely different way here where it's something is hurting him and he's going to do the right thing. But it's not even, it's it's that, but it's also like when I look at my life, I've said it before on the show. And now that I'm looking from an outside, a different perspective, being that I'm in a way better place in life, I very much was, you know, even a month ago, a much like Anakin. And I, I didn't have control over my emotions and how I felt. I was very upset about things. I reacted to things emotionally. I never thought about things. You know, I thought about things and, and what was the better way to do things, but I couldn't help myself but give in and gorge on those emotions. The fortunate thing that got me out of it was I had people that I could talk to to help me work through that. And I think that's part of what Obi-Wan gets to. But to go to your point of hope is... <clears throat> You leave Revenge of the Sith, and then you pick up a new hope. Obi-Wan is how we get to hope. Because he's the one who inspires Luke Skywalker to go off planet and to save the day. And it's his teachings, his attitude, this fun old man that, that is showing him the ways. Not the code, the ways. Feel the Force. Feel it. Movement. He is... A completely different person and that that transition from the broken man i think we're gonna see that because so much star wars and i i i don't dislike it i think it's a very good thing but it, a lot of it is hope 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 but how show me the journey of how we get to hope how do we get there from where we're at and we're facing all these kind of these uh these opposition because in real life when you're faced with like thousands of problems and it seems like you're never going to get ahead in life and a lot of people feel that way people need a story of how the fuck do we get there how yeah, the fuck like do I we wanna, move past and that's what I want to see someone move past I want to see the struggle There's, there is the, the saying in screenwriting to put your hero in a tree and throw rocks at them mm -hmm. and that I think kind of gets missed with Kenobi's arc because we see him climb the tree and then we see him how many years later come out of the tree, but we don't see the, the throw rocks at him part. And I'm kind of excited to see that part of it. 
Exactly. And I think that doubles down on like uh, another random topic is uh, Chris Hemsworth's Thor. I think everybody's excited for <laughs> Thor, Thor Love and Thunder because he had really, you know, Chris Hemsworth had been to a point where after the two movies and then the Avengers, he was kind of done with Thor. And there was a long time where he was not going to continue with Thor. And then he gets like Taika Waititi coming in. And, and you can say what you want to say about Thor Ragnarok. Oh, it's it's so funny. But that is the darkest movie. That is one of the darkest Marvel movies. If you think about what happened and what it did. And then the effects between um, Infinity War to um, Endgame. And what that did to Thor. And still like him working through that. And moving into this movie. He doesn't know who he is. And that's why the the... The teaser trailer had 206 million views in like less than 24 hours because people are fascinated with where is his story going? How do we go from this, from brokenness to being whole again? It's such a good story that sometimes doesn't get, doesn't get appreciated as much because we always love to watch these heroes shine and they, they, they go through a little quick bit. But then they come back, but it's they always rise above it, but it's it's watching someone actually bask in their grief and seeing what they're doing. And that's why I think Infinity War is so important when it comes to Thor is like, you know, this man is reacting out of anger, or emotion. And I, I just can't. I love these stories and I cannot wait to get to that point for Obi-Wan and for the galaxy and what it does, what being broken and fixing that and rehabilitating that means. I think we're going to get it. And, and we can sit and debate all day if we're going to get it in a more slow bird madman way or more of a classic star Wars way. But I think that is going to be the overall kind of point and, and theme of it. Um, and yeah, there's look, there's, gonna be cameos but again I, I don't necessarily know i'm not convinced it's going to be here's a cameo in today's point of, you know look in today's I'm going story to tell and my... we're not i think i think it's gonna be like him communicating with qui-gon and having flashbacks i think it's gonna be forced visions i think it's gonna be stuff you know he's he's remembering as we go but I just, I'm not convinced that when we say cameos, we have to worry about like every single week, there's going to be a new person showing up on Tatooine who we've met before. Isn't this so weird? Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, I would be pretty fucking depressed if I lived on Tatooine too. And with that being said, guy, no, um, <laughs> no, but, um, with that being said, guys, I, I, I think that that is the show. And, and I want to double down with these new positions. I don't know where you're at, given your new position, but I really do want to double down and say that um, I would very much like to watch this with you in real time. These, these oh, yeah. two episodes. No, one, and I'm going sorry. to block time out for that um, to make sure that we experience that together because I think... I think that's what I'm really missing. And, you know, I will see where Sammy B is. Maybe I can sucker him into coming down for a Friday and, and being on with us. I've, I've kind of been talking to him a little bit about it to see if we can all three get together for Obi-Wan because it really is, it means a lot to me. And it's kind of one of those subjects where, like, when we were going into, like, figuring out what we were going to do with the show today, I didn't necessarily want to go into Obi-Wan, I had other ideas and there's plenty of topics to talk about in Star Wars, but 
it was something that was very necessary for me and where I'm at in my life, and I'm very appreciative. So I will say congrats on the promotion. And guys, that will do it for this episode of Sit Talk. Where can you find Sit Talk? Uh, obviously, you can find Sit Talk under the Clashing Sabers podcast feed. If you want to get in touch with uh, us at the show, you can follow us at Sit Talk on Instagram. You can follow us at clashing sabers on instagram if you want to have uh more fun as far as discussions you can um check out our facebook page um the clashing sabers podcast group and Lindsay, why don't you plug us on all of the wonderful shows that we have at the clashing sabers podcast network yeah so you can find um, everything from, of course, the flagship show, Clashing Sabers, uh, to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, where we dive into all of the new books coming out and, and do more of thematic reviews than we do plot. Uh, obviously, Sith Talk, we have Forever Star Wars, our scripted show. Um, and then also um, keep your eyes open for episodes of Starships. But no matter what it is that you like in terms of the shows on Clashing Sabers, most importantly, please remember that aside from a podcasting network, we are first and foremost a nonprofit. Um, so if you join our Patreon page, yes, you'll get exclusive access to different bonus content. Um, so so always keep your eyes open there. But Every single penny that we get from Patreon or any of our fundraisers, we don't keep a dime. We don't keep a penny of that. We actually take all of those proceeds and we use them to actually get more books, specifically Star Wars books, into the hands of different school districts and different classrooms. So ways that you can always consider um, helping out, not just by joining Patreon. Um, but if you ever wanted to just make a one-time donation or maybe even donate some books for us, or if you know a teacher or a school that might be in need of more books, because as you can tell from, from mine and Zach's personal stories, reading Star Wars books is so important, not just for the sake of reading, but for the sake of building, I think, strong people in this world. Um, but you can always go to clashingsabers.net and fill out our form to refer any um, teachers or schools. Absolutely. And with that being said, guys, thank you for listening to the show with us. It's been a beautiful discussion. May the force be with you. Always. Hey, looks like you're done talking, Sit. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, Email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way. I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks.